Michelle Obama, she thinks she's all that and she doesn't have any respect for us. It's pretty fascinating. Folks, if you want to understand the perverted and warped moment that American history is seeing right now, listen closely to her words as she drives this conversation, intimidates all of those who disagree with her or perhaps don't look like her into submission. She's out of control and everybody is assisting her in the elite media. Uh, you know, Michelle Obama may have met a queen or two while she was first lady, but that doesn't mean she's the queen. And she seems to think that. Part two of a very interesting interview with Gail King. Again, to me, this is a window into so much that's happening right now that's wrong in our country. There is clearly issues between the black community and policing. Mm -hmm. And it seems there are still so many people that don't want to even admit that there's a problem with racism mm -hmm. in this country. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had an answer. Um, you know, uh, for, for me, it goes back to we, we have to get to know each other. And so much of what is going on is that if you've been raised to assume that all black people are X, in the case of, of interactions with black men and police officers, sadly, it can also all often lead to death. Who has been raised to believe that all black people are X? What is she talking about? This is not America. This is not the country that elected her husband twice into the White House. It's not. She's desperate to portray us that way. Maybe she thinks that way in her heart, but it's not us. She's using this as another scheme to get power and influence and most recently money. And the mainstream media going right along with it. Gail King was interviewing her today, going right along, assisting every step of the way. These are two of the most privileged people in the universe, yet they don't seem to like us very much. And now it's getting even uglier by bringing up the kids, Sasha and Malia. A lot of us did watch them grow up in the White House and they seemed very, very nice. But now that they're adults, they too are potential victims of police violence. I want to be as excited as every parent. I don't want to have to worry about her entering a world where she has to worry about how people would treat her because of the color of her skin. So I, I am excited, but I'd like to be more excited <laughs> to know that as she goes out and gets her first apartment and rides the subway somewhere, that they don't make assumptions about her based on the color of her skin, that she's not at risk out there in the world as an adult because she's a black woman. You are so incredibly clueless, Mrs. Obama. I ride the subway every single day. You probably haven't ridden it in years. Uh, Malia, maybe someday. There's not a problem with white supremacy down there. Crime is a real problem, but it's not driven by white supremacists. Believe me, and you can check the numbers for yourself. You brought your daughter up a lot. <laughs> I have nothing against anybody for the color of their skin, but if Malia holds the same views as you and um, Sasha as well, yeah, I don't think they're uh, a force for good as they come into uh, adulthood, not at all, if they're thinking along your lines. Okay, back to your influence and status and money and jobs you're not qualified for. She's got a puppet show on Netflix. Everybody wants a show on Netflix, right? This one is called Waffles and Mochi. And um, it's as dopey as it sounds, sorry. Hello, Waffles and Mochi. Are you ready for an amazing adventure? Mm -hmm. 
The show teaches kids the value of healthy eating and features key themes of diversity and inclusion as waffles and mochi travel the globe and learn about new culinary traditions. Wow, it's like a rainbow in my mouth. Who wrote that? Who wrote that? Diversity and inclusion, and it's all about food, too. I have a feeling they might be playing a few games with uh, us and having some fun in the writer's room there at Netflix, but who knows? I don't want to be too sensitive to all this stuff. Um, but, you know, Mrs. Obama can be very selective with the opportunities that come her way. After I read the, the concept, I thought this is going to be so good. So I wanted to be a part of it, but, but you funny. didn't have to be. I didn't have to be, but you know, I asked the question. It's like, look, I don't want to be Mrs. O if there's a better Mrs. O out there. Who's a better Mrs. <laughs> o? Let's think about that for a second. No, but I had nope. to tell him, Gail, I am not an actor. Uh, that's right. She is right about that. She is no actor, yet she gets a uh, $50 million Netflix deals. Here's a, an, ex an example of the bad acting, sorry. Well, hi there. Oh, hi. Who are you two? I'm Waffles, and this is Mochi. Well, hello, Waffles and Mochi. Hi. I am Mrs. Obama. What can I do for you? All right, this woman has been thrust upon culture again and again and again. Hey, where's Melania, huh? What about uh, Laura Bush? Did they ever get these kinds of deals? Why her? As I like to say, Barack Obama's success seems to have gone to her head. Um, but this is a righteous cause for her, right? This isn't just about money. This is, uh, you know, in line with that nutritional exercise campaign or whatever it is she did when she was first lady. We're going to provide one million meals to families in need all across the country. So they're going to get little food packages that are waffles and mochi specials where they'll have the ingredients and the recipes, easy, affordable. They get it free, but they also find out that they can go back to the stores and do this again. And all these meal kits are going to be healthy so that all families can follow along with the recipes. Fabulous, huh? Oh, here's the real commercial, though. It's basically, she's talking, it's a commercial. It's a commercial. They also can see that they can cook uh, an affordable meal quickly, mm -hmm. uh, save money and time. Save money and time. Wow. You know, she does have an amazing platform. Uh, she's still popular with huge swaths of the country. And uh, for whatever reason, even though she's boring, she gets interviewed on all these shows and they give her this and they give her that and these books. Look at how lame her message is. In the end, how lame and disappointing. She has an opportunity, but she refuses to take it. For me, you know, I have developed my own set of tools. Number one, I tell you this all the time, sometimes I have to turn it off. Yeah, the TV, Sometimes yeah. I cannot continue to take it in. Not yeah, that you I- You do tell me that, yeah. When I'm on you the ledge, I have to turn it off. Mm -hmm. And I think I want young people to be comfortable with identifying those peaks and valleys and knowing that those 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 valleys don't last forever don't last always and i just i just don't want any young person to make a decision about anything when they're in a valley mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. they have to know that time will will move you to a better place well leave it to me to straighten her out valleys are where some of the most productive things can happen in anyone's life and often we're drawn closer to god in the valleys, not at the peaks. It's all in the Bible. So here she is.
picking out her tools that work for her, that advance her brand, but really not doing anything of substance, not going into the community, the real community. If she and her husband went to, say, Chicago or Minneapolis or Baltimore and brokered peace between warring gangs, that would be Nobel Peace Prize worry. That would command my respect, and uh, it's not too late. Because black lives, they do matter. Black lives do matter, not the way the socialist Black Lives Matter organization thinks. They only seem to care when a white police officer takes a black life. There are so many children losing their lives needlessly. Now, 10-year-old LaDevion Garrett Jr. was shot in the head while he was driving home with his parents on April 29th in North Minneapolis. They were en route to his grandmother's house after picking him up from school. He was playing his game in the back seat. He was rushed to North Memorial Medical Center. He underwent brain surgery and is still currently in a coma. The family is praying for miracles day in and day out. A prayer vigil was held for the young boy on May 1st outside of the hospital. The family has set up a GoFundMe page to help with future medical bills. The page currently stands at over $32,000 raised. Their goal is $100,000. We heard from his grandmother. My grandson should be playing at home, playing his game. He wasn't a bad kid. He wasn't a disrespectful kid. He was a kid that went to school. He was a kid that listened. He was a kid that had parents that loved him. This is their only child. They shouldn't be having to go through this. They should not, not at all. La Davion Garrett, 10 years old, in a coma right now. Young man, we are sending you our thoughts and prayers. And again, that GoFundMe page. And we're excited here at Newsmax, quite frankly. Uh, these pages are starting to make a real difference in people's lives. La Davion Garrett, massive medical bills. If you would like to help, here's a way. Many thanks, and we'll be right back. Information. Truth. Is power. Is freedom. Is money. Is health. Is Newsmax. Millions watch it for free. So can you. No paywall, no subscription. Newsmax is real news for real people. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is, is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They don't. Uh, the fake news. Well, why is the CIA doing this? The Central Intelligence Agency spies, right? Um, you're going to see a recruitment video. It starts out totally reasonable, and then it gets very strange. Uh, first, the reasonable part. Here's a nice guy we're about to meet. He's a librarian for the CIA. They need everything at the CIA. They need librarians, janitors, spies, everything. And, well, let's meet him. There's something incredibly rewarding about knowing you are having a very real impact of potentially global proportions. As an agency librarian, 
I work to ensure that our collection and services are matched up with what CIA needs. Not only am I involved in the acquisitions of journals, books, and countless electronic resources, I'm also encouraged to curate special collections that challenge expectation. Very beautiful. I won't say anything about its nose ring because, uh, well, I do think, you know, I don't know, recording device, whatever. The nose ring is, the CIA is a different place now, and that is all fine. But this next part should probably remain secret. Recently, I brought in our intelligence gaming collection to give officers unique opportunities to practice skills they need in their various roles. Instead of sitting for hours in front of a computer-based training, they can play a carefully selected game to train a specific set of skills while simultaneously building on the myriad soft skills essential to intelligence work. My favorite thing about CIA is that they encourage the out-of-the-box ideas that drive real progress. I got Mastermind and a Rubik's Cube there. I hope this is just like substitute games. They may want to keep this stuff secret, you know what I mean? Uh, but Mastermind, Rubik's Cube, a couple of other things that our enemies could use. Hey, I'm all for expanding the brain. And by the way, video games can do that, but I think they might want to leave this stuff out of the promotional recruitment video. All right, here's where he talks about what he thinks makes him so special. Growing up gay in a small Southern town, I was lucky to have a wonderful and accepting family. I always struggled with the idea that I might not be able to discuss my personal life at work. Imagine my surprise when I was taking my oath at CIA and I noticed a rainbow on then-director Brennan's lanyard. Is this why they chose him for the video? Because he's gay? I mean, who cares, right? Haven't we all kind of, like, that's his stuff. We got all our, who cares? But. That's the way it is these days, um, the lanyard. Brennan was wearing a lanyard and they had a beautiful moment. Not things that bring us together, but things that, I don't, I don't get it myself. Um, one more, please. I've learned that far beyond the resource groups, inclusion is a core value here. Officers from the top down work hard to ensure that every single person, whatever their gender, gender identity, race, disability, or sexual orientation can bring their entire self to work every day. Inclusion is a core value. Bring your entire self to work. There are plenty of things I don't bring to work every day. You know, you bring your A-game, you bring your work ethic. Is he gonna bring everything? Am I gonna bring everything? Of course not. You bring a part of yourself to work. So I don't get it, and by the way, while the CIA is being so woke and being so look at us, this is like the fifth video they put out like this, remember something. They've only had white men running the CIA, including right now, it's a white man, I believe. Um, but Donald Trump chose to do something different. He made a career CIA officer, Gina Haspel, the first woman ever to direct the Central Intelligence Agency. Huh, and he never made a big deal out of it. Not bad. I think. All right. Also, back to the November 2020 election. Folks, all right, Joe Biden's president. He got sworn in on the 20th. We all saw it. I still have concerns about the fairness of that election, don't you? Um, and it's routinely misrepresented so many aspects by the mainstream media, uh, including today and by some Republicans. First of all, this is accepted as fact when it's not. 
Rudy Giuliani told a judge, this is not a fraud case. Giuliani was forced to admit in court, quote, this is not a fraud case. He said, quote, this is not a fraud case. Rudy Giuliani is that when he's in court, he is saying this is not a fraud case. But when he's in public, he is arguing that it is a fraud case. So dishonest what they did there and what they continue to do. Now, what Rudy Giuliani was doing, what they're talking about when he was in court in Pennsylvania, he was talking about whether or not Pennsylvania, the state legislature there, violated its own constitution when they revamped um, how to vote absentee. Uh, before 2020, you could only vote absentee with an excuse. And then they changed it in a way that Rudy Giuliani and forces on the right believe was in violation of the state constitution. It's not a fraud case, it's a procedure case, it's a constitutional case. Yet they deliberately misrepresented it and uh, it caught on. Even Republicans, even a Republican who's a doctor and a United States senator who voted for impeachment believes that uh, Rudy Giuliani was wrong on this because the media told him so. If I'm asked about voter fraud, I point out that Giuliani, under oath, said there was no fraud. And now, outside the courtroom, he says stop the steal, but inside he says there was no fraud. All right, again, this goes back to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, its constitution, and whether or not they set up uh, the election rules for 2020 appropriately. There are ways to amend the rules of how they uh, conduct elections, and you're supposed to go through the constitutional process, the state constitutional process. Have a referendum. Publish your idea in every newspaper in the state. Rudy Giuliani was saying that wasn't done here. All right, finally, a presidential dog died, Bo, uh, Barack Obama's dog. And, uh, boy, they took it a little bit hard over there at CBS. I mean, nice dog and all, but uh, is this too much? You tell me. And the Obamas got very sad news over the weekend. I was so sad when I saw it on the news at Bo. We all remember when they got Bo. Yeah, that's right. Bo, the family dog, there he is. Bo, the family dog, passed away over the weekend. And she, Michelle Obama released a statement. Bo died of cancer. She said, the past year with everyone home under the roof, no one was happier than Bo to have all of his people under one roof just the way he did the way, just the way he was the day we got him. We'll be grateful for the time that they spent together. But we'll miss him, the joyful life, the snuggles, the games of fetch, an evening spent lying on the couch. Michelle spent a lot of time taking care of Bo, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> but they all, he was a family dog. Everybody loved him. And that was, anybody who's had a dog knows that pain. That's a huge it loss. Hurts. Yeah. It, it hurts. Big loss. It hurts. Big loss, huge loss. Um, look, it wasn't my dog. Apparently, Gail is really tight with the Obama. She knows everything about that family. They spent more on Bo, the dog dying, they did, they did on Walter Mondale a couple of weeks ago, a former vice president of the United States. I don't know, I think it's another sign that our priorities and the way the media does business here, just a little bit out of whack. I like that dog, it wasn't mine. Um, all right, shoot me, I'll be right back. What's going on? Hey, remember this uh, shooting in Columbus, Ohio. Makia Bryant, 
Now, any reasonable person looking at this tape would see this was totally, totally justified. Officer uh, Reardon, I think his name is, saved a life when he employed deadly force. He had to. Woman in the pink was about to be stabbed. LeBron James saw the video, though, the basketball player, and didn't like it one bit. And he put out a vaguely threatening tweet to the officer involved. Let's go ahead and put that up. Uh, your next accountability. What the heck did that actually mean? It's kind of creepy, kind of weird, but LeBron is a celebrity. And uh, everybody listened. Everybody watched. You know who was watching? An officer in Idaho by the name of Nate Sylvester. He's a deputy marshal in Bellevue, Idaho. He was watching all of this unfold, the weird conversation America was having, and he put together a brilliant TikTok video. Now, we're going to meet him in a moment, but first, uh, here's that video that received something like uh, 4 million likes at least. Uh, I liked it myself. Very, very funny. Very, very insightful talking about this whole ridiculous situation. What does a cop do when they respond and somebody's about to get killed? You call LeBron, right? Dispatch, I've arrived at that disturbance. We have LeBron call my cell phone right away, please. Thank you. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. No, can you put the knife down, please, sir? Sir, no, 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 sir, don't stab it. No, no, stop stabbing. Stop. Oh, hold on. Hold on. It's LeBron. LeBron, hey, yeah, it's me again. Listen, I'm out here at this disturbance call, and there's a guy trying to stab another guy with a knife. What do you think I should do? Why does that matter? Okay, uh, well, they're both black. One guy's trying to stab another guy with a knife. Deadly force is completely justified. Uh-huh. I see. So you don't care if a black person kills another black person, but you do care if a white top kills a black person, even if he's doing it to save the life of another black person? I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but then again, you are really good at basketball, so I guess I'll take your word for it. All right. Yep. Okay. All right. Thanks, LeBron. Michael Jordan's the GOAT. What? Nothing. I got to go. Sorry, guys. You're on your own. Good luck. That again, you are good at basketball. Nate Silver joins us right now, Deputy Marshal in Bellevue, Idaho. Uh, Nate, congratulations on that brilliant video, and um, thanks for being here. How are you? I'm good. How are you, sir? Oh, and forgive me, Nate Sylvester. My apologies. Oh, boy. Nope. What are you going to do? Hey, Nate, um, that was awesome, uh, but you got in trouble for it, didn't you? Uh, I did. I got a little bit of hot water over that one. Well, what happened? Um, and, and by the way, wait, before we get to that, how often do you put these things out? I mean, your comedic timing, the edit, it was all great first class stuff, made millions of people laugh. You cut right through all the BS, quite frankly. Do you do this a lot? Uh, on a regular basis, uh, I have quite a few TikTok videos that features me in, uh, in my uniform. Uh, so I, I think I have somewhere around 40 or 50 videos. So... Why'd you get in trouble? Uh, I mean, was it because you were in uniform and, oh, you might be representing uh, the Bellevue-Idaho Police Department? I mean, what was what was the issue specifically? Well, officially, uh, that's the issue. At least that's what it says on my letter of discipline. Uh, but I police in a very liberal area, and there were uh, a few people that simply didn't agree with the message that I was sending out in that TikTok. And uh, the city officials are also liberal and also did not agree with it. And uh, that's really the reason why it was such a big deal to them. Were you uh, surprised at the reaction? Um, you know, it went mega, ultra, deluxe, viral. Did you see that one coming? I did not. I, I didn't see that one coming at all. I, I have a pretty decent following on TikTok, and I, 
I kind of expected that it would do pretty well amongst my followers there, but I had no idea that it was uh, going to be as big as it is now. All right. Now, we're glad that you're back on the job. I guess you do have this letter of discipline in your file, but you're back on the job, right? That's correct. All right. And also, a cool, some cool things have happened. You have a book deal, I understand, with D'Angelo Publications. Is that a direct result from this TikTok video? Uh, yes. And, of course, everything that happened in the, in the wake of that. Uh, I was contacted by them uh, last week uh, when, they, when they saw the TikTok video and then how it got this national attention. Uh, that it did. And I met with the president of the corporation and uh, we drew up a contract and off we went. Fabulous. How long have you been a police officer? Uh, about 13 years. 13 years. And uh, with all this attention and quite frankly, your uh, remarkable insight into the crazy culture that we have right now and your creativity, are you going to stay on the job? Do you want to do other things and book deals and who knows what? Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy being a police officer, and um, I would like to stay on the job as uh, as long as they'll have me. Um, but, you know, in in the aftermath of all of this, the more opportunities have presented themselves that I'd like to take advantage of uh, while still doing police work. All right. Fabulous. By the way, when it looked like, you know, you were off the job and we weren't sure if you were coming back, a GoFundMe page was set up. Right now, it has raised a lot of money, more than a half million dollars. Um, what do you plan on doing with this money? I understand it was set up by a friend of yours. Um, you're not keeping this money, or <laughs> what, what's next? Well, I, I will be keeping some of it. Uh, a portion will be donated to the First Responders Children's Foundation. They're an organization that uh, benefits the children of uh, first responders who were killed in the line of duty. Uh, so a portion will go to them, uh, and then another portion will uh, go to uh, set up uh, sort of a nonprofit that will benefit uh, displaced police officers that find themselves in situations similar to mine. Uh, and that's a resource that I don't believe we have yet, and so that's something that I would like to accomplish with this. That's beautiful. And by the way, I'm just curious, um, you didn't hear from LeBron uh, in the aftermath of this, did you? Still waiting on that one. Uh, I'm not I'm not holding my breath, but uh, you never know. I didn't expect anything else uh, that's happened to happen. So maybe we'll see. And uh, if you could talk to him or anybody else, I mean, what is the number one misunderstanding you think uh, guys like LeBron um, and Black Lives Matter, perhaps, who are driving this narrative of uh, you must be afraid of police if you're a person of color? Uh, what is their uh, what's their chief misunderstanding about what the reality is? I think that just the way they're, the police officers are portrayed in the media uh, these days, uh, you only get to see a, a few seconds of a cell phone video that may show a police officer using force to, to some extent without the context, right? Um, so I think the biggest misconception is that police officers are these racist, corrupt thugs that uh, just they go to these calls and they're looking to hurt or to kill somebody, and that's just not the case. Uh, police officers are, most of them, uh, are good, honest, decent people who are uh, trying to do the right thing in a very difficult job. Nate Sylvester, I loved it. I look forward to more, and I look forward to your book. Uh, great stuff and safe on the job. Nate Sylvester from Bellevue, Idaho, Deputy Marshal there. You made a good chunk of the country laugh and also kind of feel your pain. Thank you, sir. Right. Thank you so much. You bet. We'll be right back.
News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. Nothing about me was or is tragic. I am perfectly made. I can wax eloquent on complex legal issues in English while also belting Guayaquil de mis amores in Spanish. I can change a diaper with one hand and console a crying toddler with the other. I'm a woman of color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Wow. General anxiety disorder. CIA, sign her up right away. They already did. Look, the ad is totally weird. There are a whole bunch like them. This is a government video produced by the Central Intelligence Agency getting the word out about, I guess, how woke they are. Uh, very disturbing, in my opinion. But let's bring in the experts. We have Fred Flights with us, former National Security Council Chief of Staff, President of the Center for Security Policy, and also Sam Faddis, retired CIA operations officer. Uh, welcome to you both. Sam, first to you. Um, how did you get your job at the CIA? I mean, I, I, this is kind of inconceivable. It should be, at least, a commercial emphasizing all the things that have nothing to do with national security. Well, as far as I know, I did not get it because I had general anxiety disorder. <laughs> Look, when I, watched, when I watched the video, all I thought was, I don't care about any of this. I just really care about one thing. Can you do your job? And that's really all anybody ought to care about. It's a very serious job, and we don't have time for this kind of silliness. Indeed, indeed. And uh, Fred, this is a priority. Actually, I want to show one clip that we saw today. This, ha this man happens to be gay. He brought it up, not me. And he works at the library at the CIA. Um, now, he's very proud, and that's fine, I guess. But he also said this about certain techniques that they're uh, employing. Recently, I brought in our intelligence gaming collection to give officers unique opportunities to practice skills they need in their various roles. Instead of sitting for hours in front of a computer-based training, they can play a carefully selected game to train a specific set of skills while simultaneously building on the myriad soft skills essential to intelligence work. My favorite thing about CIA is that they encourage the out-of-the-box ideas that drive real progress. So, Fred, you know, as some producer was trying to find a new, unique way and something interesting about this guy, did they just give away secrets, you know, that the CIA does this, which is kind of eyebrow raising. A lot of folks don't know this kind of thing. Did they just give away material that could conceivably help the enemy? Oh, I think so. I, I'm, I'm speechless. This is worse than the last video. I was a CIA analyst. I didn't do the tough stuff that Sam did. But look, CIA does serious work. Analysts and operation officers have high-level clearances. If you if you use this stuff right, you can save lives. If you compromise it, lives are lost. Now we have a video that uh, agency people sit around a library playing games. I, I didn't do that when I was in the CIA. I worked my butt off to write analysis to keep our nation safe. I didn't have time to do this kind of stuff. I could do that at home. Uh, you know, we don't have time for these social engineering plans to make the, the workforce fair. A fair workforce is a workforce that keeps our nation from being attacked by our enemies. I think we all agree it doesn't matter that she's Latina. It's fine. I mean, it's fine that somebody's white. It just doesn't. But the emphasis on these things that make us a little bit different when we're at home, not when we're at work. Here's another one. This is new from uh, the librarian we were just talking about. Uh, part two. 
Growing up gay in a small southern town, I was lucky to have a wonderful and accepting family. I always struggled with the idea that I might not be able to discuss my personal life at work. Imagine my surprise when I was taking my oath at CIA and I noticed a rainbow on then-director Brendan's lanyard. Oh, yay. Uh, <laughs> Sam, a couple of things. I thought that you were supposed to kind of keep it on the down low if you worked at the agency. You know, you came up with some, like, I work for the General Services Administration. So there's his face telling everybody, I mean, didn't they prosecute somebody for identifying Valerie Plame? What happened to those kinds of standards? Why are these people so public? Yeah, good question. I mean, everything about it, it, it you know, it's 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 so nonsensical that you want to laugh, but unfortunately it's serious, right? I mean, Fred's talking about playing games. I, I want a list of the people who go down to the library and play games during the day, because obviously those folks don't have enough to do and their services are no longer required. This has nothing to do with the very serious business of espionage. And by the way, I never encountered anybody who cared about any of this stuff at the agency. It is not a lily white organization filled with nothing but heterosexuals, never has been, and nobody cares. By the way, if we wanna you know, play the woke game, President Trump never did, but for those who play it, he should get points, shouldn't he, Fred? Uh, his CIA director, Gina Haspel, I believe is the first woman to ever run the agency and quite frankly, they didn't make some silly feel-good video about it. She was, you know, up for the job. I understand that maybe in retrospect, not so much. But uh, he appointed a, the first woman to head the agency, which is now currently run by a white man, which is fine in my book, not so much in theirs. You know what I mean. He never got credit for that. That's right. And, and I think Haspel was a terrible choice. Haspel allowed this kind of nonsense to go on. It was going on when Pompeo was director. He was only there for about a year. It accelerated under Haspel, this politically correct nonsense, which began under John Brennan. He implemented a massive plan to have promotion and hiring quotas to make sure that all the politically correct uh, societal boxes are checked to make the workforce fair. And, and this is a real problem. If you advertise for two jobs to analyze the Iranian nuclear program, and of 100 people, the two best by far were Harvard white guys. You hire those two. That's not racism. That's not white supremacy. That's the right decision to protect our country. Yep, totally. Uh, hey, Fred, finally, how did you get your job? I heard that they used to advertise in the New York Times. How did you find, uh, actually, let me send that one to Sam, uh, with the most recent operations experience, how did you get that job at the CIA? Did you see an ad somewhere? Uh, I, you know, I, I applied to an old school ad out of, uh, out of a newsletter. That's how I applied. No slick video, huh? All right, well, no commercial. Imagine that. Sam Faddis, retired CIA operations officer, thank you, and Fred Flights, former National Security Council chief of staff and now the president of the Center for Security Policy, thank you, gentlemen. And we got to go over to Grant Stinchfield right now for a preview of the Grant Show, as I call it. Hi, Grant. Hey, Greg. Um, look, we're talking about China tonight, and we're not turning to Chinese checkers, I guess is what the CIA does to figure out what's going on in China now. Um, we're talking to real Uyghurs, a guy in exile who's now the prime minister of East Turkestan, which is the area that, that China is just running ramshod over. We're talking about genocide in this area. Uh, this guy's here in the United States. We're going to get the straight scoop from him. So should be fascinating to hear from this guy tonight, Greg. All right. Good stuff. Grant Stinchfield, thank you very much. And we'll be right back.
I know there's been a lot of discussion since Friday, since Friday's report, that people are being paid to stay home rather than go to work. Well, we don't see much evidence of that. That is a major factor. We, we don't see that, that — look, it's easy to say the, the line has been, because of the generous unemployment benefits, that it's a major factor in labor shortages. Americans want to work. Americans want to work. Did you hear that? He seemed to catch himself in his own lie. <laughs> uh, by the way, there's plenty of evidence, uh, Joe, that people are not working when there are opportunities to work. Have you seen all the video that we have of coast-to-coast uh, -coast restaurants desperately looking for support staff, waiters, bartenders, that kind of thing, all over the place, all over the place, Joe, and he seemed to catch himself mid-stride there. We're going to talk about this and a few other issues with our all-star panel. We have with us Corey Lewandowski, of course, very tr close to President Trump, helped him win in 2016, along with, of course, David Bossi, same thing, very close to President Trump, both senior advisors and co-authors of a great book, Trump, America First, The President Succeeds Against All Odds. Welcome, gentlemen. Corey, it does seem like uh, President Biden seems to be totally and completely out of it when he's not being actively deceptive. Well, Joe Biden is once again wrong. Look, what we're seeing in the states is that every time they turn down these elevated benefits that the federal government is giving them, their unemployment numbers are cut in half. People are sitting on the sidelines because they're getting paid more money to stay home than they would be if they went to work every day. Look, there was a time when the American people needed some support and they got that support. But now with the pandemic under control because of Operation Warp Speed that Donald Trump put in place, it's time to put people back to work. And these states should start turning down these elevated benefits and let the workforce take place again so restaurants and other small businesses can survive. It would make a lot of sense. David Bossie, how important right now is the House fight over Liz Cheney. She seems to be, well, obviously, she's not in Donald Trump's corner. She voted for impeachment. Um, but to the folks at home, I mean, I couldn't even tell you what her rank is. I guess she's number three in the House, the conference. But I didn't know that off the top of my head, if you know what I mean. How important is it to get her out of any leadership position? Well, first of all, Greg, if I could, just for one second, Joe Biden's squandering the recovery that Donald Trump left him. And on the economy is the most important thing for the American people. We need to reopen our economy. Yeah. We re need to reopen our schools. We need to reopen America. And that's the most important thing. And Joe Biden is blowing it at every turn. As far as Liz Cheney is concerned, I, I have supported Liz Cheney in the past. I think she's a tremendous conservative and has been a, a, a very good leader in the past. But what she is doing right now over the last six months is nothing more than a distraction. And when people become a distraction, they need to move on. I called for her to resign instead of forcing this vote. It is it is detrimental to the Republican conference to, to have this vote. She knows she's going to lose, and she should just resign between now and Wednesday instead of forcing her colleagues in the House to have a vote to, to, to throw her out. All right. And, Corey, I'd love to get you on uh, on that matter. Well, let me say something. We're in this position right now because the Republican leadership in the House did not solve this problem two months ago when the resolution was brought forward to have Liz Cheney removed from the conference committee spot two months ago. Look, that should have happened then. She doesn't get better with age. She's not a fine wine or a piece of cheese. Look, she just spoils the longer we keep her there. So let's get her out of office. 
Donald Trump has made it a position of his that he's going to defeat her in her Republican primary in Wyoming. And as someone who oversees the Trump super PAC, I can tell you that we're going to have a lot of resources put in up there in Wyoming to make sure the people up there know that she does not believe in the America first agenda. All right. And finally, gentlemen, uh, what's he thinking? Donald Trump, the likelihood that will run again. DeSantis looks very good right now. I don't think he would get in Donald Trump's way. But, David, what are you hearing? What are you sensing? He's still open minded, at least about it. He's looking at it, right? 2024. Greg, President Trump is focused on one thing and one thing only winning back the House and Senate in 2022. And if he does that, he shortens Joe Biden's presidency to just two years. And then and only then, I believe President Trump will then pivot and be able to make the right decision for himself, for his family, and for the American people to decide if he just wants to run for president again in 2024. I think he's totally up for it. I think he's looking at it very hard. But to say right now today, that would, I think, uh, put his priorities in the wrong order. He wants to win back the House and Senate. All right, Corey, David, let's put your book up there one more time, please. Trump, America First, The President Succeeds Against All Odds, available wherever books are sold. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll be right back. Uh, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, we could wear masks until we should not wear masks because the unintended consequences of masks is all over the place. He has been for a long time. One thing about Dr. Fauci, though, he's addicted to television. He loves going on those shows. I saw him go on with some comedian in Mexico City, uh, like a YouTube show. And then he really loves the big, heavy-duty ones. Why does he like doing this stuff so much when, quite frankly, he's not that effective a communicator? Here's an example. When's the last time you used the word recalcitrant? Recalcitrant. I learned it in 11th grade when I was studying for the SAT. You can go years without saying the word recalcitrant. He is a public health official communicating or trying to with the public. Now, is this the way somebody with that kind of job and responsibility or wants to have that kind of job and responsibility, is this effective to speak this way? So I think those two are the major ways that we can get that last group of people mm -hmm. who seem to be recalcitrant to get them to understand why it's so important to get vaccinated. Well, you know, it is a, a, a smaller group, George, you're absolutely correct, that seem to be recalcitrants. Just walk in and get vaccinated, as well as mobile units that are going out. So those are the two major ways I believe we can just get into that group that really seems to be recalcitrant to getting vaccinated. <laughs> I've been watching this guy pretty close. This is the first time I remember him using the word recalcitrant, which if my SAT studying, if I got it right, it means uncooperative, resistant to authority. Sometimes it can mean even like a rope getting away from you on a boat, a secondary definition. All right. Why say recalcitrant? Why do that? Uh, I don't know. Is he somehow self-conscious about his intellect? Uh, why do people use big words when smaller, more effective words would do? I don't know. I just can't figure this guy out. <sighs> but it is what it is, huh? Thanks for joining us. Stand by uh, for Stinchfield, and I'll see you tomorrow night.